We're in Romans chapter 7, verse 23, but let's read the few verses before in verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully acknowledge with my mind the law of God, my inner soul. He's not talking about the inner man in Christ. He's talking about righteous Jews, righteous Gentiles, good moral people that want to please God, but this is before Christ. And Christ considered them, and God considered them righteous under the system they were in. But they did not have the spirit indwelling them, so they had this principle of sin that could overrule and dominate them at times, and they didn't like this. So they weren't the person who wanted to be wicked and wanted to run and do evil and mischief. They were trying to do good, and they were trying to keep the rules of God, and they knew they were right. So this is what he's talking about. But in 23, he said, but I see a different law in the members of my body. This is the lower carnal nature, what we are tempted by to do evil from the demonic sources. So I see a different law in my body or the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, that's his inner soul, his him, his personality, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. So he's talking about its power at times overwhelms me. And he talks about his wanting to serve the Lord. Now remember, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisee. Concerning the law, the scripture says he was blameless. Cornelius was a righteous Gentile, but they had this principle they had to fight with. They weren't these wicked people running around wanting to do evil and looking for mischief. They wanted to do right. That was a part of their human nature that's still in the image of God, even after the fall. They still had certain desires that God gave them, and they were not taken from them as it was from demons. When angels were cast out of heaven, everything pertaining to God and holiness and righteousness was removed. It was not totally removed from man. And God started a process of redeeming man, okay? And so he's saying then, the sin in my body fights me, it fights my mind. I want to do good, and yet I find all of these things opposing me. My will and my conscience consents to the law of God that it's good. But there's another principle that fights me. It doesn't want me to do it. So this is what he's talking about. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the power of this death? So he's asking a question. Horrible. I'm horrible because I do want to do good. And who will set me free from this body of death? The power of setting death in the body, in the soulish area, it lures me. It overwhelms me at times. I don't have power to overcome it like I should. And therefore, under the old, God covered that. He did not deal with their spirit. He did not give them the power of Christ. He made rules for them to teach them things. And when they failed, they had to give sacrifice. So every righteous person, Gentile or Jew, under the Old Covenant had to apply for sacrifice sometime in his life. And the Jews, once a year, their sins had to be forgiven again. But they were just covered. 
until Christ literally done something with them and entered the born-again believer. So he says, wretched man that I am. People think this is Paul. They excuse people's sin, greasy grace, a license of sin, that Paul is talking about in Christ. He is not. He's talking about before Christ, okay? And then he gives us an answer. Who's going to set me free? Thanks be to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. On the one hand, now this is a statement that people try to combine together, but it's not to me. He's still continuing with the one under the law of sin and death. But he just, before I tell him, it's Jesus is going to set me free. So on one hand, myself, I am serving the law of God, okay, my inner being, my righteousness as a Jew, a good, moral, upright person as a Gentile, okay? But on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. Well, he doesn't serve the law of sin while he's in Christ. You see, a lot of people use this to excuse carnal Christians and say, baby, well, they just keep setting. Well, this is not what he's talking about. Grace and faith does not cover practicing sin. Can never do it. It does not license sin. It does not cover like the old covenant. The grace of the New Testament removes sin and empowers the person to live above it. And that's where you have so many false professing Christians that give mental assent to Scripture. Okay? So he's saying thanks to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, he will set me free. So though on one hand, he's still talking about the person without Christ, with my mind, I'm serving the law of God. I'm a good Jew. I'm a good Pharisee. I keep the law blamelessly as far as I can. And if I fail and do things, a sacrifice uh, has to come in, confession and repentance. Yet on the other hand, my body, my lower nature, the body of sin and my members is affecting me. See, it still has the power over him because he's not been born anew. He's not walking in the spirit. So then going back to his statement and make it very clear, he's talking about when he was a Jew, because he's talking to Jewish Christians under the law. And there were many righteous Jews according to the law. They weren't sinless and they had problems, but under that system, God covered their sins, as long as they did sacrifice and they morally tried to keep the law and they were punished for some things, some things there was no punishment for. Death was demanded. But he yielded to their will and he winked, the scripture said, he winked at things. He didn't hold them under the account. He does people when the gospel's been preached to them and they're living under the gospel. He expects more because they're given the spirit of Christ. In the state that Paul was in, they did not have the Spirit indwelling them. So this is what we're talking about. So he's saying, I'm serving with my will and desire my inward. Now he's not talking about the inward spirit in Christ. He's talking about his soulish person. I want to do good and serve God. And I acknowledge the commandments are just and holy. And I try to follow them. But on the other hand, like we say, Paul is not in Christ. He just told us Christ will deliver him, but he's finishing his explanation with the Jewish Christians. So he says, I see with my flesh, my corrupt nature, the law of sin. So we're talking about before 
Christ, before he's in Christ. And now chapter 8, verse 1, therefore, there is now the person in Christ, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You hear so many false heretics, greasy grace Calvinism, apply that to every Christian who claims to be born again. But they forget the part, they're not in Christ Jesus if they're not walking in Christ. If they're not walking and living, we're going to find out he tells them where they're at. And their confession is worthless. And their baptism is useless. Even Paul told the Jews, you who keep the law and glory in the law, your circumcision is vain if you do not keep the law. But they thought just because they were circumcised and they were Jews, they were a holy people. And the Lord told the Pharisees, your father's the devil. It's not Jehovah that shocked them. But they were claiming all the privileges that the Jewish covenant gave them. But they were not obeying the covenant. They were not doing what the covenant required of them. So they were the children of Satan. So Jesus said, your father's the devil. So he never acknowledged their circumcision, which under the old is equivalent basically to our uh, being baptized, an outward symbol of what happens inside. So many people confess Jesus, but they've not been born again. They mentally accept who he is, but the Spirit's done no work in them, and they're given lip service. They're not following the Lord. We'll see their conditions to this. There is the law of Christ. People think we're without law. That is not true. We acknowledge we're delivered from one king, the God of this world, Satan, but we come under a kingdom on another, and he has rules and regulations, and as we walk in the spirit, they're easily done. He said his yoke is easy, his burden's light. They're not grievous. Why? Because the spirit helps the Christian do what God wants him to do. So the one in Christ, he's not condemned by the law of sin and death. But we will find out if you walk in the flesh and live in the flesh, you are under condemnation because you've removed yourself from following the Lord. So most professing Christians are really not serving the Lord. They're not continuing with the Lord. And as Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I tell you? If you do not do what he tells you, you're a false Christian. And many of these lying shepherds will tell you, well, you're a Christian, you're just a carnal Christian, but you're still saved. And Jesus is just not on the throne of your life. Well, if he's not, you're lost on your way to hell because you cannot have the Lord and not follow him and be led of him. That's the spiritual works that Paul and James talk about. And that's why James says that kind of faith is dead. It's mental assent. He said, you prove to me by your obedience, your fruitfulness, that you got the right spirit. So that's why Paul thought it was a bunch of nonsense too. He said, if it's whoever you obey, that's who your master is. He didn't say whatever you claim and confess. Oh, that's just part. So there are no seven scriptures of salvation. They're not just learn a few of them. No, people take scripture out of context to their own damnation and damn many other people who don't want the truth. So they're willingly ignorant is what we see. So we say then for this reason that in Christ, no condemnation. 
does not say that one is still living and practicing gross sin. That does not apply to them. Oh, God's patient, but he don't bear with professing Christians living in adultery and and lying for weeks on end. Oh, no, he deals with them if they're his. He punishes them grievously. And if they don't repent, they're cut off from the vine. But see, the false shepherds make them secure and tell them everything's okay. That's the grace of God. That's a lying grace from the devil. This once saved, always saved, and faith alone is from the pit of hell. It's no different than the corruptions of the Roman Catholic Church. Theirs were human works, had nothing to do with what James is talking about, spiritual works, to proceed from the spirit of Christ living in a person. Okay? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, notice it always says in him, has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's if you're in Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. You'll find out in the next few verses, that means being practical and following him and being led of him. And if you don't, you're not in Christ Jesus, or you won't last long, you won't stay in him, because the Father, if he sees no fruitfulness, he cuts the branch off. And remember what Paul said to the Gentiles when the Jews were cut off as a nation and a people. He said, you're in God's goodness. And if you don't remain in his goodness, he says, you will be cut off also. He's talking to the Gentile church, to the born-again church. Paul is telling them, you'll be cut off also if you don't abide in his goodness. Continue in him. And that means being led of the Lord and picking his commandments and trying to follow him. That's what it means. And the Spirit of Christ helps us do that. He's called alongside, okay? So that's what sets us free to the law of sin. And people say, well, I'm not under law and sin. I'm seated with Christ. How can you be seated with Christ if you live in a fornication? Now, Paul makes it very clear. If you practice gross sins, he says you'll not make it to the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're not a Christian. And if you drop dead, you're not going. You better be following the Lord. Now, our minor sins or other faults, as we follow the Lord, the Lord chastens and sanctifies, and we have a high priest to forgive us. But he's talking about the continuance and wickedness and gross sin. You cannot remain in the Lord. And so most professing Christians are no longer Christians or they never were Christians, okay? They think they have a license to sin. Not so, okay? For the law, People think the law of Christ is liberty. You talk about liberty to sin. It is not. That's a doctrine of the devil. The law of Christ is not a license to sin. Grace and faith is not a one-time thing that covers you as you live in your sinful life, willingly doing what the flesh wants. That's a lie. So the law of the Spirit of Christ in us, again, it sets us free from the past power of the law of sin and death. So when a lot of people love to quote the scripture, I'm not under its power. Well, you are if you're living that way. So that's why Paul said, it's who you obey. That's who your master is. He said, if you obey unrighteousness, you're not in Christ. He said, you obey righteousness, you're in Christ. He taught all in grace. He says, shall we continue in sin? God forbid, it's a curse. He said, not going to happen. He's talking about those who walk in Christ and follow him, okay? 
That sets us free from the law of sin because he's living in us, okay? We're one with him. We're yoked with him. We're doing, we're yielding our mind and spirit to follow him. We're not living and practicing the 20-some and more sins that Paul talks about in Galatians, Corinthians, and Ephesians. And each time he says, don't no one lie to you. He said, if you'd practice these things, he doesn't say how many times you've been born again. He doesn't say you saw Jesus yesterday. He said, if you practice these sins, and we know what they are, the main one. And he said, and the such like, things that are evil, that it'll have to be written down. There's not a scripture that says, thou shalt not eat your neighbor. He assumes you're not going to be a cannibal. There's other sins that are too gross, but he says, the such, he's talking about the general dealings of what man has to deal with. But men can be inventors of evil. They can take sin and take it further. And so the commandments don't list all of that. They're known what they are. And they can understand that. And he said, and the such like. He said, no one lie you with empty words. It means they're not based on truth. They have no, they're not valid. He said, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That means they shall not make it to heaven. And why will they not make it to heaven? Because they're not Christians in Christ. Now, I have many people try to justify, well, I'm still saved. I said, no, you're not. And if you are, it's not going to last long. God's given you a little time. But you don't see no scripture where he encourages people uh, living in sin all their life and then coming and getting saved. You don't see that in scripture. It's a doctrine of devils. Doesn't happen. Jesus' word was repent quickly, lest I remove your lampstand, your light, the spirit from the church. He said, repent quickly. And Paul said the same thing to the setting Corinthians. He said, if I come, he said, I haven't seen repentance. And I'm mourning because when I come, I'm going to come in the spirit of judgment. And he asked him, shall I be hard and sharp or shall I be gentle? The choice is yours, whatever state you're living in. And he also said to him, you that are doing this and you that are not repenting, perhaps you're disqualified. Disqualified from what? Many people say, well, not, well you can't serve the Lord properly. No, disqualified meant reprobate and cast aside as useless. And that's what Paul was talking about. He mentions it three times when he talks about disqualified. Disqualified from Christianity. Disqualified from grace. People fall from grace. See, people don't want to believe that. They want to be sure, assured of God loves them no matter what I do. Well, that's just not scriptural. We go find out at the end when it's too late that it don't work and claim everything they want to. Okay? So he's set us free from the power of the law instead of death. Well, people assume, some of them, well, law of sin and death has been judged on the cross, so it don't exist. Well, what is this that tempts us all the time? What is this old nature that still tries to get upper hand? It's not annihilated. It's not non-existent. But the power is broken with Christ in us if we yield to it. And we'll see all the scripture epistles, you have to yield or not yield. The will is never taken away. Choice, why are we told to do this and do that? Don't do that as a Christian because we have the ability to do either. That is never taken from a person. So you choose to yield to the new man with your will, 
or you choose not to and yield to the flesh. And both have consequences, okay? For what the law, law of Moses and the conscience, everything, could not do, it was weak through the flesh. It couldn't do nothing for those under it. It could show them the truth, expose their sin, but it could not remove their sin. It could not empower them to live above it because Christ was not indwelling them. They were under a different covenant, but every covenant is salvation for the one who keeps the covenant because Christ eventually was going to be the main sacrifice and all the sacrifices from generations back the righteous Jews and Gentiles, it would cover them. And that's why they were in paradise. And Jesus, when he died and said, it's finished, he went down and he led them into heaven because until it was literally done, they could not be a permanent guest in heaven. They were in paradise, which is like heaven, but it was temporal until God's justice and law was satisfied. And then he took them up. So there's no longer a paradise next to hell. Now paradise is in heaven. It is heaven. So he set those free. So he let all of those of the old covenant, when he resurrected the third day, and he took them. He went down in his spirit and preached deliverance or proclaimed to them what he was doing and took them up to heaven is what he did. Okay. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the body, the flesh, because the human nature was corrupt and sin indwelled there. God took care of it. How? Sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. So Jesus was sinless, holy, harmless, undefiled. But he could represent mankind, sinful mankind, and God in holiness and justice could judge him as the wicked sinner. Of all mankind, he put the set on Jesus. Jesus had no set of his own. The set of the world was put on him. And he bore that as a set offering because he was sinless. So God could do that and justify the wicked that would come to him and accept Jesus that it was valid. Okay. So he condemned sin in the flesh. He broke its power when he said it's finished, and he died and gave up the spirit. So that the requirements, okay, verse 4, so that requirements of the law, the law of Moses, the law of conscience, the law of what they revealed in their personality and what they knew, the inner law, the conscience, every man had. And that was Paul was talking about in the previous chapter. As a righteous Jew, we desired to live right, but we had all these temptations and power that was stronger than us at times, and we weakened because we didn't have Christ in us. And the blood covered that under that covenant. So he said the requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. That's a key that all the greasy graces overlook. They try to skip this one. Okay. So there is condemnation if you don't walk according to the Spirit. Because he said it applies and it's fulfilled in those who do not walk. This is continuous present tense. According to the flesh, do not live and follow the flesh, but according 
to the Spirit. They don't like that one because it basically tells them you have to stay in the Christ and you have to willfully yield to the new man. The will sort of straddles the old and the new. It's, it's neutral, but it is the personality and the person's choice is there and he can yield to whatever he wants to because he's an individual. His individuality is not taken away. His human spirit's not annihilated. His human spirit joins, but it can yield to sin. See, if it can't, well, why did Paul say, may God sanctify your whole body, soul, and spirit, making you blameless? Well, that means the spirit can sin. The human spirit can. And the greasy graces say, oh, we can't sin because Christ is in us, so it don't matter what we do with our soul and body. Well, that's the Nicolaitan doctrine that Jesus said he hated. They believed your spirit was pure, but you could fornicate and lie and cheat and steal with your body and your soul, and it didn't matter. Well, he said, I hate that doctrine, and I will kill her children. Who's her children? I'll kill her with death, the second death. The children is those who believe that and follow it. So the one saved always people who use that as a license of sin, he's going to kill them with spiritual death eventually because they're thoughts, they're heretics. They've been deceived and they better open their eyes. So the just requirements of the law, which is just and holy, might be fulfilled or completed in us. We couldn't do it because we had sin and our nature was already corrupt. So we could not offer anything of a sacrifice that was acceptable. So he did it for us, for the one, it says, who, who live and walk after the Lord, who follows the Lord, who continues in the vine. And Jesus said, those who don't continue in me, the Father will cut them off and burn them. He uses illustration. So he's saying they have a choice. They can yield to the vine and bear fruit, or they cannot. See, they have a choice. They can yield to either. And that's what he's taught about. Fruit is not bore by the Spirit of Christ in us. It's in union with him. There can be no spiritual fruit aside from both of us. Christ does his part, and divine, the branches yield, and that's the fruit. It's the combination. And the heretics wants, well, Jesus did it all. It's all grace. Well, they're teaching a perversion and a false grace and faith. Because Jesus said, if you don't continue in me, you'll be cut off. Who's he talking about? The person that's in Christ, that's bearing fruit. And he said, if you don't, the Father will cut you off. So he holds the branches responsible for staying in Christ. People say, well, nothing can separate me. And when we read the context, what can separate you from Christ is sin. And that's not mentioned when it lists all the other things. And that only applies to the person walking in the Spirit. That doesn't apply to the person walking in the flesh. Because they will be separated and cut off from Christ. See, that's another perversion of this grace. And they'll quote Hebrews. I will never leave nor forsake you. If you forsake the Lord, he'll forsake you. He said he would. If you don't continue with him, he'll cut you off. See, they want to be saved no matter what they do, and the false shepherds promise them that. 
but they can't deliver. And Jesus said a harsh word. When the Pharisees were criticizing, Peter said they don't like what you said, the false Pharisees, and you know he considered them false. He said, leave them alone. Don't even try to correct them. Leave them alone. For if the blind lead the blind, they're both going to fall into the ditch. The ditch is hell. And so he was saying, leave the false shepherds alone. You're not even bothered with them. But if they're in the church, as a heretic, you're supposed to deal with them. And after two or three warnings, the church was to throw them out and have nothing to do with them. So that's the judgment of the body of Christ. So he's telling us. So if you forsake him, you will be forsaken. He's talking about the one that's in Christ Jesus will never be forsaken. Nothing can remove him but himself. The devil can't remove him. The world can't remove him. All trials and temptations cannot remove him. His yielding to sin can, because he's no longer walking in Christ. See, that's a hard saying for many people, because they've been taught for centuries and years that they have a license to sin, and it doesn't matter. Jesus takes care of it all. Well, they're going to find out they were wrong. Okay? Not walking after the flesh. It says, not walking according to the flesh. That's the one who's not under condemnation. If you're walking according to the flesh, you are under condemnation. You put yourself back under because you're not following the Lord. You're not obeying him as master. You're not being led of the spirit. You're not being corrected when you fail and sin and chastise. He says sometimes it's grievous. The Lord deals with his. And then if they keep rebelling, the scripture says he stiffens his heart. He gets arrogant, rebellious, Psalm says, and he will be cut off in that without remedy. Who? The person that God has to often deal with over the same thing. See, a hardening comes in. Instead of becoming pliable, they get resistant. And then the spirit backs up. See, because they have to consent to his dealings. And he doesn't have any bastards. So he said, if you're mine. So if a person claims he can live a while and grow sin, and he's getting away with it, I'm telling you, that's a false Christian and a backslidden. Because God doesn't let his. He has no bastards. So he will correct. And it says it's grievous. It also says if we judge ourselves, this is Christians, and repent and confess and do what's right in the matter, he said the Lord will not judge us. But if he judges us, it's going to be stronger and harder. But he gives the Christian time to consider these things. And then when he deals it in a harsh manner, Hebrew says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Why? Because you'll be hardened and rebellious, and eventually you'll be cut off from Christ. So there are warnings. Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the God of wrath. He is a consuming fire. He's talking to the Christian. He says, serve him reverently and with fear. He's telling this Christian to do that. Don't play on his grace. Don't think you have a license to sin. Don't think it's once saved, always saved. As you walk in sin, you're going to be surprised one day. And that's why there's going to be a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the not walking off the flesh, walking after the flesh, and the corrupt nature, that's the one 
that doesn't have any condemnation. That's the one that the Spirit's leading and helping. So when people have told me, well, I've been living in a, I've had an affair for three years and I'm not, I said, because you're a false Christian. You lost it. Oh, they try to defend themselves. They quote scripture out of context. Oh, he'll never leave nor forsake me. Oh, I'm a carnal Christian, but I'm just not following the Lord. I said, that's an enigma. I said, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. It can't be. Even James says you can't give fresh and bitter water at the same time. You can't walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit at the same time. Well, most people, they think they can. The Nicolaitans did. They thought they had a freedom and license to live as they please because the spirit was pure and was saved. And what did Jesus say? I hate that doctrine and I will destroy the followers. That's what he said. That was his opinion of it. So man always has the ability in Christ or out of Christ to yield to the old man or the new man. Now the person without Christ, again, he's going to be judged with the law and the conscience he has and the light he's been given. But once he's given the gospel, he can't live in the lesser covenant. It won't happen. But God judge it. People think just because Jesus came, now all the world's damned to hell. Well, then the gospel's worse than the law of Moses because under the law of Moses, Gentiles could be righteous and saved. Good, moral, upright people that tried to live right were acceptable by God. Cornelius was acceptable. The angel said, your good deeds have come up. They're acceptable to God. And now I'm going to show you the true gospel. He was a righteous Gentile. The angel didn't say, you're a filthy, dirty sinner. He was walking in a light that he understood. Now, had he rejected Christ under Peter, he wouldn't be righteous anymore. He would be a sinner because the more light had been given. So, People think, well, I said, well, shoot, it's better that Jesus didn't come. All of a sudden, all the world's going to hell because they don't have the gospel. That's a false teaching, too. People don't go to hell because they didn't hear the gospel. They go to hell for rejecting the gospel when they hear it. And the other was, again, they know their conscience, the inner law. And when they do wrong, like Paul said, they try to do right. They try to make things right. They have an intention to do good. And God winks at these sins and imperfection. He's allowed to do that. But in Christ, he commands more and he gives more power. Okay? So the will is not taken away. The new man cannot force its way into the spirit of man. The spirit of Christ cannot. He must be consented to. That's why we are told to yield, to walk to be lived, to be living, to put on Christ. See, we can do it. You're told to put on the armor. Well, if you don't put it on, it don't work. See, you'll see a lot of commands to the Christian. It's appealing to his will. Do this and don't do that. And you have the ability with Christ in you to do what God commands. And you can resist the devil, the world, and the flesh. But you have to consent to it. So the human personality, which is the soul and spirit, are not separated as far as individuals. When a person goes to heaven, his spirit and soul goes. When he goes to hell, his spirit and soul goes. Because it's him. It's his personality, his being. Every angel has a personality and a being. And humans still have it 
before and after this saved. Their individuality is not destroyed. The power of sin is broken. And they can do things and be helped by the Spirit who indwells them, the Spirit of Christ. They're given the power to be yoked to Jesus. It said, he that joins himself to the Lord is one spirit. So your human spirit has been cleansed from sin, can refuse to continue to be a joint and go back to the worldly way and be unyoked and not be in union anymore. See, he has the choice. And that's why we are told, do this, don't do that. The Christian's given the power and with the spirit, he can do what God requires. And sin does not have to rule him. Okay? And it did rule to a great degree, even the righteous under the law. And God understood that. And he gave sacrifice. And he winked at things. He didn't wink at the murderer and the idolater that continued. The law didn't cover those things. Actually, they were taken out and stoned to death. They were dragged away from the mercy seat. So it did not forgive certain things. And yet under the new, Jesus said, all manner of sin will be forgiven man, but he that blasphemes the Spirit hath never forgiven him. Hardening toward the Holy Spirit and fighting him until he decides enough's enough means he won't deal with that person anymore. Then they are lost. But most backsliders on the old and the new, God is still giving them time and wanting them to come back and get right. But um, the choice is theirs. See, He's appealing to them to do this because they're in command. And their choice and their will can go either way. That's their personality. That's who they are. It's not forced. It's not overwhelmed. And that's what we say often. The spirit of the New Testament prophet who spoke under inspiration he not only preached, he gave prophecies and spoke for the Lord. He said it's subject to the prophet. The Holy Spirit never overrides a person. They have to yield to him. People say, oh, he made me do this and I couldn't help it. Well, you're a liar. People jump up and jabber in tongues when the Spirit says, and the Scripture says, don't do that. If you don't know what you're saying, keep quiet. He says you have the ability to keep quiet. So there can be order in the church. So a lot of people get so overwhelmed emotionally, they think that's the spirit. No, that's the human response to the spirit. And sometimes it's outlandish and foolish. And it makes a mockery of the things of God. Let's take a break here.